0: Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew, our podcast between generations. This week, we've got a really generational discussion where I want to ask Fred, what was art that was considered deviant back in the day? Because Fred gave me some homework last week that I wasn't a big fan of where he demanded I watch a movie called A Clockwork Orange. Um, Now, Fred, this was banned back in the day? So A
1: Clockwork Orange is this fantastic seminal piece of work Starring Roddy McDowell, I think is his name. It was largely uh, either banned or limited right. for a long time, including in Australia. And there's a list of banned movies, Matt. It doesn't come up on all of them, but it was universally really, really concerning. Mm. Now, I saw it. In my early twenties, they were doing a midnight screening at the old Hoyts Picture, old Hoyts Theatre, the Hoyts Picture Theatre on George Street in Sydney. Any Sydney sider knows there's still a movie complex there now, but it was the thing to do. Midnight screenings were for the really perversive or weird or out there stuff. Or Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is none of those things, but possibly would have been a, a boundary pusher at one point. I saw it with my mates and went, "Really? That's it?" Yeah. That's it. So about 30 years after it was made, I sat down and was like, this is bullshit, you know. (laughs) And I set the task for you because... In my oldest brother's generation, he's about 20 years older than me, it was the forbidden fruit. Right, yeah. Right? And they thought it was going to symbolise the fabric of society breaking down. Hmm. So much so that Stanley Kubrick was asking for a limited screenings in the UK because his family got death threats about this movie.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: Okay. Oh. You watched it. I gave you homework, <laughs> and I'm trying to help you here.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: How'd you go with it?
0: Yeah. Now, look, I, I felt the same way. Um, it's this, you know, I get it, I suppose, if I was a, a member of the British aristocracy in the 50s and it shocked my, my humours out of balance or something. But um, really, like, especially compared to modern media, it wasn't all that shocking. The, the violence... I guess was graphic, I guess. But like eh. There was one or two scenes that were more sexually violent that I think were more leaning towards the shocking side of stuff. Yeah. Which says which is interesting I think but like really is, is that to be held up as the symbol of the failing of a society I don't, I don't think so so it's, it's interesting to see the fact that that was considered um, so deviant and I wouldn't have said it would be considered the same way now I'm not sure it would even be a particularly fantastic movie now I mean maybe I, I don't have a refined taste in movies like you do Fred so I'm not sure but would that have made a big splash a of box office hit even nowadays I'm not sure I wouldn't have thought it would be that Look big a on. deal
1: I think it's more a milestone in cinema and really what we want to talk about today is this concept of how art represents society mm. and how sensibilities in society are changing. I have to tell you, if you look at the storyline for A Clockwork Orange, I'm pretty sure if you've watched Home in a Way*, The River Boys are now the modern <laughs> interpretation of the droogs. Um, you know, there's no gutty watties it's all about, you know, who's waxing the surfboard. So, the stuff that was shocking to my oldest brother was so mundane to me. Mm. And it makes me wonder what shocks you. But there's a precedent for this, Matt. And I think we talked about it offline, but one of the most traditional art exhibitions that was ever held was a thing called deviant art. During the height of Nazi Germany, what they did was they did two exhibitions at the same time. One was a fine art exhibition, the name of which I forget, and the other was Deviant Art. And what they did was take things like Picasso's and, and other masters and hang them next to the scribblings of what they called mental patients, not my terminology. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They took they took uh, images from psychiatric wards to discredit the masters. Hmm. Because they believed in a perfect society, art could be contextualised by formula. Mm. Stanley Kubrick's piece with A Clockwork Orange was breaking a formula at a time, possibly before society was ready. So I have to know, Matt, You know, what is there in the art
0: world at the moment that scares you. Yeah, yeah. So, you What is it that shocks the modern conscience? In what the same shocks? Way? Not me. Yeah. You. Yeah. What?
1: Because you kids are so desensitised with your video game <laughs> and your
0: TikTok tactics. That's right. The brain, the dopamine sensors are all squeezed dry, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Are they? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I um. Uh, so it's interesting because I think the stuff that didn't shock me first and foremost in Clockwork Orange was the violence because I think yeah. that's like seems to be much more mainstream now in in modern media so the violence wasn't such a thing the the sexual violence was more of a thing because i think that to me that is just more shocking there's an interesting parallel that i draw between the way that the western anglo-american culture views violence versus sex in media and continental europe views violence versus sex in media as i understand it the more puritanical anglo-american media is more pro-violence less Pro sex, whereas yep. European media is more pro sexual representation, less violent representation. That's an interesting thing to consider. Less generational, though, more geographical. Um,
1: and I think the programmers
0: at SBS
1: have been playing some of those European movies for years and years so that young kids can get on at 11 o'clock at night when mum and dad are asleep and see bits of the human body that would otherwise not have been available to them in a normal (laughs) way.
0: Certainly not in the Australian uh, Anglo-American culture. That's right. Yeah. But in the more generational discussion of it, I think the the stuff that is really different now is this idea of like there was there was a theme of delinquency being a theme of a clockwork orange right delinquency yes. was a theme in a clockwork orange i think that's probably one of the reasons it was it made such a big fuss well in the same way that that's almost a resistance to the fear of the movement of delinquency, I think in modern art, there's something of a resistance to like hurting people or offending someone, if you like, depending on how generous you want to be. And I think this is what we would categorise as political correctness. And so I think that that's the thing that guides what's considered deviant art or not, what to, what's considered to offend the social conscience or isn't in modern artwork, where I would say things that, represent for example african americans in really derogatory ways are much more inclined to get taken off air or have restricted viewings or whatever because they're seen as politically incorrect and that's the thing that defines them as being deviant uh, well
1: there's a great example of that matt it's funny you say that because during the height of black lives matters networks in america choose chose to take some product out of circulation and then recirculate it with disclaimers. Mm, Uh, For example, Gone with the Wind, a very famous movie that depicts historically white Europeans owning slaves Mm. and a very, very archaic racist stereotype played out by the slaves. That was considered not only tone deaf, but really offensive. What do you think about the idea of the disclaimer? Rather than scrubbing it and pretending it doesn't exist, using the disclaimer to educate people as to why it's no longer okay, Mm. but symbolic of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we've done a bit of a conversation before about cancel culture and political correctness and all that sort of thing. So I think it really is quite a similar discussion here because these fears about erasing history and blinding people and uh, limiting discussion. I think those are well-founded fears. History is really important. We need to understand it. But I think we also need to recognise that we don't want to be encouraging these things, and there's a good reason why political correctness exists to try and protect more vulnerable people in a community. And therefore some art, perhaps, should be considered deviant to some extent or another because it does hurt people, and in my opinion, hurting people should be considered deviant in a well-adjusted society. But the idea of disclaimers there might be a good middle ground because it let it treats the watcher I think as a mature intelligent individual that can make their own decisions and I think that's a really important element of uh, making sure we do this right in terms of finding a middle ground between these yep. things um, Yeah,
1: Australia's certainly been ahead of the game with that in one regard in that if we have any content about First Nations people there's always a disclaimer hmm. and it's generally a disclaimer for First Nations people that have different beliefs about recorded images um, of ancestors and I I really respect that to an extent I understand it when we talk about deviant art if I put myself at the time of my life where art became deviant for me there's a couple of examples of that I'm not sure if you've heard about these one was a book by a guy by the name of Salman Rushdie called The Satanic Verses Yes, And, and it was an essay on Islam and it wasn't Uh, accepted favourably by some particularly hardline people like the Ayatollah Khomeini and a few other people. So they took out a fatwa on Salman Rushdie, which meant that he was open season um, from a a devout section of a certain faith. Um, which led to my favourite joke at the time. Uh, Salman Rushdie was about five foot four with glasses and a, and a short hair. And so my favourite joke at the time was what six foot two with blonde hair, blue eyes, and big boobs. Salman Rushdie, because um, he had to go into hiding. Cut away. Yeah. For the listeners there that believe that's a terrible joke, uh, write and subscribe to Matt's email with those complaints. <laughs> and by the way, I just saw in the bookshop this week that Salman Rushdie's released a new book. But the idea of going after a religion Hmm. was really, really. Scary, and it was considered by people of that faith as a deviant work mm-hmm. and not art at all, but trash. There's a, there's an artist by the name of Andre Serrano who put up a piece called, and I'm sorry for the the name, guys. It's what he called it, which was Piss Christ, mm. which was photos of a crucifix with Jesus on it soaked in urine. And they talked about bringing that exhibition to Australia, and people were outraged. Yeah. yeah outraged uh, i'd be outraged in fact i to paid up to, like see it but you know the reality is it was a taboo it was deviant they were going after faith mm-hmm. and to an extent i think that uh, that still exists <laughs> there's one bit of deviant art that i find really interesting matt it's one that i've thought about recently it's the idea of oh sorry there's two examples i'll give listeners One was something that really scared me when I was about Matt's age, which was a movie called My Own Private Idaho, and I don't know if anybody's watched it. It had the very, very talented River Phoenix and an actor that I was a big fan of when I was a kid called Matt Dillon. Do you know who any of these people are? Just keep going, Fred. I'm just listening. (laughs) This is is what I'm working with, people. I've said it before and I've said it again. If you know who River Phoenix is, give us a like and a Mm -hmm. subscribe on this one. But there's a scene in it where one of the actors, Matt Dillon, shoots up heroin. Right. And he makes it look so fantastic. Right. Like it looks like bliss and it scared the living shit out of me because I thought, wow, you know, needles and heroin, the big bad drugs in society, Mm. big bad demonised drug users. Many years later, as a drug and alcohol psychologist, I certainly understand that there's more than one side to that story and the depiction of the short-lived high was probably quite accurate. Mm. Uh, The rest of the movie is about the consequences of those, but I remember being a kid going, shit, that looks good and the fact that it looks attractive to me is scary. Uh, The second example I give is a really recent one. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, famous for the musical Hamilton, Mm. has just released a new musical called In the Heights. Have you seen the ads, I have seen
0: the ads, actually, yeah.
1: So he's come under great criticism because, and I'm going to try to say this correctly. If I get it wrong, please forgive me. But he's been criticised for not representing Afro-Latinos in the area correctly, because he's cast largely lighter skinned Afro-Latinos in the Heights. Right. Now, because Lynn Manuel Miranda is both uh, a really talented soul and probably quite an evolved soul, mm. he came out and said, I stuffed up.
0: Mm.
1: I I, in an intent to tell the story, I haven't represented the community. Mm. And with that, I think he gets a lot of credit from people. But there is a different sort of art censorship now, which I actually think is quite positive, saying it's got to represent accurately the people. So you can't cast Matt Damon as a Chinese person in a Chinese yeah. movie anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly Fred, exactly. And there's this question right, is this, a, how much of a problem is this? How much of a problem is modern deviancy, right? Well, if so you watch
1: that shit movie with Matt Damon pretending <laughs> to be Chinese I can tell you it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I want my 24
0: bucks back Hoyts. No, exactly, exactly. It's like I think, and you know, maybe it's a product of our time, you know, we're sitting here, we're like, of course that's deviant. Of course it's a good thing that you can't pretend to be a race you're not and try to tell a story because of course that's the way it is and maybe in the future that will change in the same way violence is no longer as sensitive but i don't feel like that's the case i feel like there's this sense that well when you're representing people incorrectly or inauthentically you're telling a story in a dangerous way or giving your wide audience for this media the wrong impression of things um and in some ways it it glosses over the really rich storytelling capabilities of the actual community that you're trying to represent indeed and i think yeah there's a qu- i think there's a good places where this censorship um, comes from at least it's trying to include people it's trying to feel good to help people feel good it's trying to support and do the right thing i worry fred that that's the kind of justifications that people were using for the censorship of Clockwork in the past they're saying we want to protect people from violence we want to protect people from delinquency and so i I think that there's a at least a worthy discussion there but I think to ignore that people are genuinely hurt by the poor representations of them politically incorrect representations of them in the media and to say that that's unimportant or should be pushed to the side I think misses the point of trying to create a a better world
1: is there a role for censorship in your generation? Would you Do you want people making decisions about what's not okay or do you want to digest it yourself and make your yeah. own informed
0: decisions? it's the interesting question, isn't it? It's in many ways, it's the, the fundamental question here. I think there are definitely some things that shouldn't be put out there because I think they serve as dog whistles to people that want to hear them or want to um, embrace a more hateful um, identity and that that can facilitate that happening. I am inclined to say that that should be a relative restricted niche of um, censored media because I think that if you broaden that too far it loses its um, its weight its significance I'm inclined to give individuals more agency over this sort of thing things like disclaimers or my favorite way to approach this would be to have really well-made media that acts itself as a critique of these concepts yeah that will be the most desirable situation. So you watch it, you get taken on a journey through it, and you come to understand why this is a problem, how this works, and maybe then you are able to leave that theatre a bit more knowledgeable and a bit more critical about some of these issues. Now, that's something that is probably a little bit too optimistic from me. So as it stands, I think we need a balance between things that are censored for us, if you like, and serve as something that we decide whether or not we censor ourselves. I don't know where to draw that line, but I do think there should be something like that.
1: I must admit I was really proud when I looked at the list of movies that have been banned in Australia to recognise that we have one of, if not the shortest list of banned movies in the world. Mm. And I think that speaks to the fact that as a group of people that are citizens of this country, there is enough commonality. The movies that are banned and remain banned, I believe, demonstrate what censorship is designed to do. So there is a really famous movie that includes uh, scenes about child exploitation, particularly sexual exploitation. It's been banned all over the world. It remains banned in Australia. And realistically, what the censors are saying is our society deems this illegal. Mm -hmm. And under no circumstances are we going to allow somebody to profit by breaching the boundaries of our society. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I think censorship has a real place. It's actually our sword and shield, not what they did with deviant art in Nazi Germany, which was to try to discredit viable art mm. and replace one artistic sensibility with another. Mm. So I believe there's a difference between censorship and propaganda, and I believe that for every Andre Serrano that puts out something called Piss Christ, Australians are allowed to vote with their feet. And decide whether or not that matters to them. Yeah, and I'm kind of proud of that, you know, and I'm proud of that for your generation too, because I think you guys are sharp enough to work out what's not kosher and what is.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting line to walk, I think, because like there's also a recognition, I think, within this PC uh, guiding principle behind consider deviant art or not, of the fact that different groups have more power to define what is deviant and what's not. And like, I think that that's a really difficult line to walk. Um, As a a very white man, I have limited uh, authority to speak on this, I think. But like, there's a question I think of uh, if the majority of a country like a movie, but a minority are really hurt by it. And I think we still need some kind of counterbalance there. And that's probably in my mind, the role of movements like political correctness is to create that counterbalance. Um, But yes, no, I, I fully agree. I think that censorship is a blunt instrument, because it just it shuts down discussion. And it makes something into a forbidden fruit, which is a word you used earlier, Fred. And I think in some ways, that makes it counterproductive. So a much better a way to to approach this is to improve people's critical thinking is Absolutely. to say hey this hurts people are you okay with that And you know if someone is okay with that i think i will judge you if you're okay with hurting people that's something that i feel comfortable saying you shouldn't do that i'm going to hold you accountable for that um, when
1: i when i grew up matt that the movies i used to watch were the american westerns yes yes And I don't mean the the modern Western-like, you know, Unforsaken and those sorts of things, but I mean the old-school John Wayne. Have you worked out who John Wayne is Yes,
0: I've been doing some Googling, yeah. I've still got one of those movies on my list to watch, Fred, but uh, we'll get to that at some point. He doesn't
1: get to all his homework, but he has been very busy
0: with uni and lockdown (laughs) people.
1: But uh, in those movies, there was this concept of Indigenous people as literally savages. That was the word they would use. Yeah, exactly. And... John Wayne used to come out and shoot these people. that would be hooping and hollering and shoot them by the droves, you know? Yeah. And he was the hero of the movie. And I remember seeing a documentary with a, a Native American that said, do you know what it felt like being the bad guy in every movie mm. when history was written that way? And it's not true, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think the idea of sensibility, I still think if something offends a small group of people in society, but not the rest, we, we have to say make an informed choice and Salman Rushdie would say he wrote a book on a faith it doesn't represent everybody in the faith yeah. um, and if you're offended by it don't read it okay I've never read the book because to be really honest with you I don't believe in big books of fairy tales anyway <laughs> but if I go back to this idea of what representation looks like the big argument now that people jump up and down on is forced diversity in art Mm -hmm. the deviant practice of making sure there are things like same-sex couples or people of color or not every hero has to be a man and definitely John Wayne should never be cast as Genghis Khan I don't know how the fuck that happened but anyway (laughs) the point is I don't think moves to make art more inclusive are a form of censorship And I think trying to block diversity in art is a form of censorship that's really tone deaf to the world that we live in.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's
1: a great cartoon, I'll leave you with this thought, it's on Foxtel for those that want to watch it. It's called In the Loud House. Hmm. I watch it with my six-year-old daughter. It's one of her favourite cartoons and it works on lots of different levels. It's actually quite funny. In that cartoon, there is the best friend of one of the characters and that best friend has two dads. yes. And it does not cause one iota of an issue for a six-year-old. <laughs> nor does it, and they represent that scenario really well, and, and they do such good stuff on that cartoon show, I'll tell you. Mm. But I look at it and go, what a great world she lives in and her peers live in because there's enough representation to stop somebody making them feel like they're different. Yeah. The role of art is to be provocative but also to be representative. And I think that we've come a long way since A Clockwork Orange. Hmm. We've learned that you are not offended by violence or sex, but things like exploitation and racism and those things are still not okay because they shouldn't be okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know... We have a lot of other good movies for you to watch. <laughs> Guys, it's been another great week. Matt and I have a fantastic deep dive into something that's um, been interesting. Yeah. Matt, we will see you next week. Yeah. Mate, it does my heart good to get this fun time and, and to make a happy place for these podcasts. Oh, we get a lot of feedback from people listening. Matt, I will see you next week. Yeah, catch you soon, Fred. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanch, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is the podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts of theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bedpod Group Productions and in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.